0: Happy Halloween, Fan Morning Show, 4759 in The Fan, Ben Anix, Brent Gunning. I didn't realize you could, that like there is a a Grinch carryover to to Halloween, and yeah. you're it. I am. I I did bring a mask. I thought you know you there was an outside chance that that you brought a costume of sorts. <laughs> Boy, do you not know me? No, my my wife woke up. With me at four o'clock in the morning, she's like, there's a costume in the basement if you want to bring it to work. I was like, hey, you know, I wasn't really thinking about it, but yeah, into your life. Might as well. Uh, and I have a great, great, as you saw, you do. skeleton mask. That's good. Which I threw on uh-huh. about half an hour ago, and you're like, yes. I'm a I, uh, Halloween Grinch. I, I hate am. all things of Halloween. No, I, I let me amend my statement. <laughs> no, that's what you said. No, no, I know, and that's why I said amended. I didn't say, you're a liar. Stop <laughs> putting words in my mouth. You're misremembering. I didn't say any of that. I said, let me amend my statement. I had a time in my life where I loved Halloween. Mm-hmm. Get dressed up partake in some shenanigans, have a couple of orange crushes. It was great. It was lovely. It was wonderful. But when I come into work, like my job that I use the funds from to pay my mortgage and things like that, and I see someone in a costume, I get irrationally angry, Mm. grow up. Now, there are exceptions to the rule. Uh, The greatest of which we actually were talking about yesterday off air was the Hockey Central at noon. Mm -hmm. The the boys dressing up as Kiss—that's that's Uh, different. Yeah, Colby as Daenerys Targaryen Targaryen. is yeah going to live in upstairs rent free for forever. That's more than I think a lot of people needed to know (laughs) about you, Colby especially. But yeah, I when I see an adult in a costume at work or just like you know this. And I'm not talking about you're taking the kids out for Halloween or you're going to a Halloween party that's different, but you're just going about your day to day life. You're an accountant and you're like, "I am Dracula. Yeah. I want to do the taxes <laughs> yeah. i you know what i maybe not an accountant because that's not I mean it's serious work, I suppose, but it's not no, life and death yeah, like I don't want my doctor dressed up mm, that'd i be tough. I think like coming on to the, the radio for three hours to talk about no, the sporty you, sports. It's yeah. okay to dress up. Yeah, it's fine. It's just, <laughs> if you want to, sure. But I, <laughs> I didn't. Yeah, I know. I'm I really, didn't. I I'm took proud it off, of you. okay? I know. I'm proud of you. Good be job. Of, it, was it was a cool mask. Scene. I, I will say thanks. it was a cool mask. Hey, thanks, buddy. Yeah, no problem. I'll be wearing that tonight. You got upset at me. the kiddos. You got upset at me, I don't know, I think it was a week ago, when I, I threw out the possibility that I could be, possibly, Cooler than you mm-hmm. So I will just I will tip the cap I will doff it to you And say That's mm-hmm. a cool mask You have Man I forgot that you said that I know And I didn't even say it Definitively <laughs> just, no. d- d- Do you know how offensive It is <sighs> to me Yeah That the, the I mere Suggestion even, yeah, of it So you, offensive Yeah exactly So who should be more Offended in this mm-hmm. It's not you It's still me Uh <laughs> I'm offended. My eyeballs are offended watching the Toronto Raptors offense. Not if you listen to us and take the under, though. At least you can watch that doing the Mike Commodore with all the money all over you. My goodness. They're going to have to adjust. The Raptors have not cracked 100 points in regulation in a single basketball game this season. They played four of them. They played an overtime game that didn't come close to sniffing what the over-under It's insane, man. This is the golden age of of offense in the NBA. There's no hand-checking, right? Like, it's free-flowing offense. Everybody shoots a million threes a game. It's a problem when you have, like, the second-worst percentage shooting three-point game in your franchise's history. The Raptors, yeah, they pick up the win on opening night against the Minnesota Timberwolves and what was a rock fight. Mm -hmm. The, The first of many rock fights to come, it turns out. Yeah, it's a quarry. Um, The Bulls game, they fritter away with a a horrible series of turnovers and fouls. They understandably get beaten by a Philadelphia 76ers team on the back end of back-to-backs that was looking for its first win of the season, has the reigning MVP, understand it, come back home, fully rested against the Blazers team that is in full-on rebuild mode. The wins do not matter nope. to the Portland Trail Blazers. You're at home. They're playing on the back-to-back, the Blazers are. And it's close. It's single digit You score 91 points. And I know it's early days in the Darko Royakovich ter- uh, mm-hmm. uh, tenure, but holy cow, we're, we're, we're in a, a state of, of uh, things not looking much different than they did a year ago. No, I mean, you know, we, we spent a lot of time talking about the coaching search for this team. And, you know, at one point Jordy Fernandez was involved and obviously you see the job he did with team Canada, but generally speaking, when coaches are doing a great job, it's because someone else has done a great job assembling talent. That is not to say coaches don't matter. That is not to say we shouldn't ever give them any credit or, or give them blame, but I think we know what the problem is here, and it's, uh, you know, I'm not going to say it's not this, but the chief problem is not Darko Royakovich just for you, Ben. Well done. Yeah, I just threw it in there for you. Royakovich. Okay, so we're back to Coach Darko then. Now I'm self-conscious. But (laughs) it's not... I don't think anybody looks at this team and says ah not scoring because of what coach Darko has cooked up here. It, that is not the issue. It is a roster construction thing. We have I am I am going to come on here and talk about it every day until one of them is not a Raptor here. Pascal Siakam and Scotty Barnes do not fit together unless every other piece on the roster is perfectly constituted to form a solar system around those guys. And even then, I don't know that it'll work. And say what you will about this Raptors team, and there's a lot to be said about it. One of those things is not perfectly put together. So there are so many things we can talk about this. There, There are so many different elements of this. But it all, at the end of the day, the crux of the issue just goes back to that for me. Yeah, personnel the players yeah. no, on but the court no specifically those two not clicking it, there's other issues with it but i just i look at those two pieces and again not to say there's no world where they can fit but if you were if you're going to describe a player that would complement Scotty Barnes well Pascal Siakam is very, very far from that player. If you're going to talk about a player that complements Pascal Siakam well, Scotty Barnes is pretty far away from from that player. So that's the thing I keep coming back to. Well, and I, I talked about it after game one of the season, how important it felt like to get the first win out of the way because you're trying to build confidence in your players if you're mm-hmm. a new head coach that this new system is going to work, that they are they needed proof of concept. And, yep. yeah, it was a rock fight, but they, they picked up the victory, mm-hmm. whatever. By whatever means necessary – uh, it, there was, I guess, a level of belief after the first 48 minutes of the basketball season. Now you've lost three consecutive. Your offense, I mean, by the numbers, looks worse through four games in the half court than it did a season ago when they were among the hardest watches in the NBA. Here, are the, according to Blake Murphy, the points per 100 in the half court so far this season 72 in game one, 74.7 in game two against the Bulls, 87 and a half against the Sixers, okay? And a, a loss, the, the, their biggest loss of the season. And then 75 yesterday. Last year, they averaged 94 and a half. And that was 25th in the league. Yeah. The league average was almost 100 points per 100 possessions in the half court at 98.4 last year. They haven't hit 90 in a single game this season. And besides the, the numbers... Use your your old peepers. Mm -hmm. It is a grindy grind. I want to play you a clip from Jakob Pertl, who is the big... Trade deadline acquisition. Yeah, he also he also addressed the fan. Like we didn't talk about that, but yeah, it's he's the face he's of this he's franchise. He's the one who addressed the fans. <laughs> well, he's the most they have invested in outside yeah, of Scotty Barnes. Masai Ujiri is like, we can't send the top six per- protected pick out there to do the address, so yeah. we better send Jakob. <laughs> All right, here's Jakob Pertle describing what it's like to, to play offense on this Raptors team right now. I think sometimes we just gotta be a little bit smarter about it. Um, like, we're, we're trying to apply the stuff that we do in practice into the game. Like, we're trying to have this, like, drive kick swing offense, like, um, play through um, the elbows, try and cuts, like, different um, split screens, stuff like that. But at times we, we get in this mode where I don't think we're really doing it on purpose, but it seems like everybody's just trying to make something happen, kind of almost randomly, and like we're not on the same page, and then we just dribble into a crowd, like try and kick out. Next guy's dribbling into a crowd, like we're not really getting any advantages out of it. So we gotta find a way to do it. Um, like I said, with a little bit more, uh, it might be timing. Like uh, the, the decision making's got to be better to actually create advantages out of that offense. Yeah, you got to get better players in the mm-hmm. half court. You got to yeah. get players that uh, are capable of creating offense um, collectively and individually. And we had an idea that they, they didn't have the personnel a season ago. Uh, we were told, and I, I, like us specifically, yes. explicitly yes, by Bobby Webster right? before the season, hey, why is this team going to be different? The vibes. Like, mm-hmm. not not verbatim. But that was the message from Kept Bobby Webster was, hey, d- d- different head coach. He didn't say different head coach, but that was like mm-hmm. the one change between last year and this year. Is yep. Hey, we're not talking about last year anymore. The past is the mm-hmm. past. This year, we're going to be more cohesive, less selfishness. Do you think? Pascal Siakam was selfish last year. What does he look like on a one in ten team where he's headed towards free agency and he knows the franchise that he's currently playing for is not going to sign him to an extension? What's that going to look like? Yeah, maybe something close to nine of twenty-one, which is what he what he had last night. I mean, it is you know honestly that is good insight from Pirtle. We might as well have just played whatever it was—the quitting sound when when Fred Flintstone got done at the at the quarry because that's what it is. It is just it is a rock fight after rock fight. After rock fight, this team can, and again, I I think it is going to be, you know, we often have this conversation the other way in the NFL where we say, ah, I don't know what this quarterback is. The head coach is shackling him. Uh, do you feel like you can do a proper job vetting the job that Coach Darko is going to do with this team this year or what he is as an offensive coach? That's not to say you can't take anything away from it, but it is just a roster that has been proven to be flawed and you're seeing it Again, that's the thing I keep coming back to with this team is just the idea that you expect a change in personnel, or sorry, no changes really in personnel outside of Van Vliet leaving and, okay, draft Grady Dick, great, you know, the returns there, not, not proven to be earth shattering, not his fault at all, but you you just look at this and to expect a coach who, again, has not been a head coach at this level before to just turn things around instantly, I, I don't... I don't understand what the what the plan was here. And how many times have we all said that going back to last year's trade deadline? Yeah, I don't understand. Well, I do understand what the thought process was. It was that we have good players. And individually, that makes a lot of sense. Pascal Siakam is an all, if not an all NBA player. Like yeah. he's, a, he's among the top 20 players in the NBA. He's yep. a nice piece to have. OG Ananobi is an all NBA defense mm-hmm. level players uh, player. Scotty Barnes is a rookie of the year, and mm-hmm. well, you know he had a step back last season. His step back almost felt like Austin Matthews, like his step back to to, to a forty goal season, right? Like Scotty Barnes, is still a very very capable player, and by the way, is off to a great start as well. I've Really liked his game. Yep. Yeah, and you and you got a a, a potential rotation piece and, and great. Like there are individual pieces. It didn't work a season ago. Mm-hmm. It's not working now. And now you find yourself looking at a early season schedule that has them here are the here are the next 5 games for the Raptors. Milwaukee Bucks. Is that a good team? No, uh, yes. Not a good match. Sorry, I thought you were about to say is that a good matchup? Uh, no, no. Uh, at the uh, Philadelphia 76ers, who by the way don't have James Harden, which we'll get to in just a second. But uh, yeah, they 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 didn't have James Harden when they just beat him. Yeah, ago. Oh, of games and also ago. Dame Lillard playing for the the version of his life he wants. He'll just be sitting there envisioning his cold winters in Toronto Well, Milwaukee is just as cold. So yeah, yeah. He'll be playing well, for his life in that one. And the the Philly games the second night of a back to back at San Antonio. Okay, but the the, the They've got Victor Wembanyama, oh, which is no. This it's okay. Size will not be an issue for this Raptors team. It has never hurt them in the past. At Dallas, at Boston, the the Raptors are very. I mean, maybe the the Spurs game is is a winnable one, but again, like the Raptors don't have anything comparable to a Victor Wembanyama, nobody in the NBA oh, I was does. Say, uh, do they have those? But like, around? they're staring down the barrel of being one and eight, and the one was a win against the T Wolves team. That's Okay, got some pieces as well, but yeah, they didn't come close to scoring a hundred points like that. What is the conversation about around the buy-in that this team has around Darko Royakovich after a potential one and eight start to the season? It's about to get very interesting very early for this Raptors team. I mean, I think that obviously Masai Ujiri and Bobby Webster, when they make the decision, don't say we need a guy who could handle losing because this team's going to be bad. That's clearly not the way they have intended things. But I think that had to be part of. The hiring process was understanding that you are at, and boy, again, we've said this a million times about this team, at a fork in the road moment where things can go a couple of different ways. And if you're hiring a brand new head coach, I would think it's somebody that you envisioned handling both of those scenarios. You know, Obviously, in a, their perfect world, everybody's perfect world, they get off and running and the pieces fit together the way they envisioned. It was just vibes that were the issue, but you also had to envision a world where it looks like this. And I think that that's part of the reason he was hired, to be able to kind of shepherd players through this maybe but I mean this team just traded away its first round pick I Uh, don't I don't think they were planning for for this to be a okay I know the draft pick is theirs if they're a bottom six team but you don't plan your team around being a bottom six team by trading away your first round pick a season ago and running the entire roster back and trading nobody at last year's trade deadline that's okay I could have envisioned this. This mm-hmm. is not like a necessarily a massive surprise to me to see the Raptors play this way, especially offensively. But the way it was messaged by the front office, yeah, this does seem like it's a surprise to them. Which is, again, more fuel to the fire. They 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 get to live forever off the 2019 championship. Forever. But this is not what they envision. I can guarantee you. No, of course it's not. I'm just saying that even somebody like Basai Ujiri, who is so confident, and rightfully so. Again, he did... I don't know that it can be overstated just how unthinkable it was what he did like bringing a championship to the Toronto Raptors. So of course you're going to be arrogant and think you can pull it off at all times, but I also think that somebody like that has to be to a certain extent a pragmatist and understand the different ways situations can play out. And I don't think they hired coach Darko to be a babysitter during a a season where they win 30 games. I don't think that was the plan, but I think they needed to know, okay, this is in the cards. It's not what we're planning for. It is not the options, but I do think that's part of the reason I would, or, or you know what? I should stop saying. I think I would hope that's part of the reason that, that you hired. This guy was at least understanding that this was a possibility. So what is the plan then with Pascal Siakam? I mean, you, would, well, I've been asking this question again, going back to last deadline, the beginning of last season, the hmm. exodus of Kyle Lowry, quite honestly, like, I know you're not asking me to answer mm-hmm. for this, but yes, agreed. I have the same questions well, too. Get they, Bobby back on the phone. They they We did try to ask him that. He was not not playing ball. They look like uh, silly gooses, is all I would say. I mean the the people who questioned this team's modus operandi at the trade deadline a season ago, the idea that Vibes would be the difference maker for this team going into the season. Hey, maybe they turned it around. Maybe they come up with shocking victories over the Bucs and the Sixers, and we're all talking about how great this this offense does look under Dr. Roy Just need a little time to, to get their feet under themselves. Um, but I, I, I think it's more likely that it continues to look like it, it did, and I think it's more likely than not that everybody that was questioning the decision-making mm-hmm. by this front office in one, acquiring a piece at the deadline for a first-round pick, and two, deciding not to sell off pieces and running it back for yet another year are proven correct early on here. Yeah, I uh, I would hate to be right about this, but I think we all are going to be. Mm-hmm. It's very frustrating. I don't know. I, like the th- I think the most frustrating part about this, and man, there have been a lot of slings and arrows at Toronto front offices over the handful of last years, rightfully so, for many different reasons. The most frustrating part about this one is that everyone... Has seen it coming, like it's like a slow, it's like an avalanche. You're watching, and it's just coming to slowly crush you. Everyone has been sitting here pointing at this endpoint, this inflection point. OG's contract is up; you cannot sign him in season. He is going to get to unrestricted free agency. Pascal Siakam. It does not seem like there is a impetus on, well, I won't say either side, but at least on one of the sides, not to get a contract done. It's just everybody could have seen this happening. The Pirtle trade, widely criticized at the time. Rightfully, so, that is why this one is the its own brand of frustrating. I won't say most because God blue jays we we cannot paper over that and Leafs the handshake res handshake line respect all of that stuff, but this is its own brand of frustration for sure. um we could have also predicted that James Harden would eventually land on the Los Angeles Clippers because that's where he wanted to go mm-hmm. and and this grange I mean, the grange rule what's that? but just these guys go where they want to go, generally he, speaking, yeah. If if James Harden wanted to be a Los Angeles Clipper, the odds were he was going to become a Los Angeles Clipper. Partly also because nobody was likely willing to give up the the draft assets that it that it was going to require to acquire James Harden. So he he heads the Clippers uh, for Marcus Morris, Nick Batum, Robert Covington, KJ Martin, and a bunch of draft picks, including a 2028 unprotected. First round. No way that comes back to bite them. No way. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's a valuable asset that Mm -hmm. if, I I mean, as long as Joel Embiid is still in the cards for the Philadelphia 76ers, that is going to be on the move to yet another team at Mm -hmm. some point as they try to acquire um, a third star to put alongside Tyrese Maxey and Joel Embiid. But yeah, James Harden off to the Clippers and boy, that's a tenuous situation. It's been a tenuous situation ever since Kawhi Leonard signed up there and he his health has been a question mark each and every season. Now you get the the most mercurial star in the sport. Of course, fully healthy, they're capable, but yeah, if I was Steve Ballmer, I'd be I'd be a little dubious about this thing continuing uh to to be uh, yeah, I would be dubious about being optimistic, obviously, about the, the Clippers' immediate future. I share your dubious uh, demeanor of regarding this trade, but the way I actually envision it going, and I had to look up this guy's name, Trent Redden is the general manager of the Los Angeles Clippers. I imagine he has had... Ballmer's phone blocked for the past two weeks. If him going, anybody seen the GM? I don't know. He's scouting. He's working. I I heard he was trying to honor some prospect. Okay, well, I want to talk to him. I heard this Harden guy's available. That Does he not just seem like the type of crazy animated owner who says, yeah, I know headaches, headaches. Ah, go get me that guy. Get me James Harden. Mm-hmm. I've heard of him. He's good. The beard. They, like, what is everything we know about Balmer? We've all seen the videos of the bad Microsoft dancing. We've seen him looking like a lunatic on the sidelines. The Guy just wants the big, sexy, shiny thing. He's worth a kajillion dollars. He can go pay for it. I agree with you that I am very dubious about how this itself will play out. But I think Balmer, I imagine he was the most excited person in the world about this sure. because, because he's that guy when someone says, like, oh, do you want to upgrade I'm, on your coffee or whatever? Like, he just gets excited about everything. I can be two things, though. I can be dubious of of its likelihood of, of finding success, but also understanding that it's a necessary evil. Like, the, the Clippers are <laughs> as highly leveraged as you can get into the win now of uh, Kawhi Leonard, Paul George, and now James Harden core they they've decided that this is this is it that there's there's no future beyond this and despite the fact that Kawhi Leonard was a health question mark when Mm -hmm. they acquired him and has been a health question mark ever since he's been a clipper you got no other choice here like this is this is you made the deal with the devil so yeah you got to continue to to push further in with a guy who's had essentially no postseason success and that has continued with a guy that just won the mvp award. So, best of luck to Los, to the Los Angeles Clippers, but yeah, I it, it it's in a in a weird way, Kawhi and James Harden kind of a perfect fit. So, I that's you read my mind. That's exactly where I wanted to go. Are they the worst fit ever or the perfect fit because even even if Kawhi's playing in the game, like does he care or know what James Harden's doing? Like Kawhi just seems so indifferent. To his surroundings at all points in time, it's like, oh, it's loud. There's controversy, was it? I was reading the paper. I didn't know. Like it just <laughs> yeah. he's seen in a league that is just constantly hurricanes is swirling, and this player wants to go here, and this guy's getting traded, and Kawhi, who has been at the heart of orchestrating a lot of this, like, let's not move that all aside. But it's almost like he's like uh, he's like Michael in the Godfather with the christening scene and all the executions. It's like Kawhi's just standing there hanging out. Oh, I don't know. What's all this bad stuff happening around me? But you're right. From a temperament standpoint, he does kind of feel like the perfect superstar. Because you've even seen it with Embiid. He, you know, he's fluctuated between being super direct and hinting at it. But his frustrations with Harden and everything that's happened there, we all know about, you know, other superstars that he's butted heads with. So, yeah, it is is—it is interesting that maybe Kawhi is actually the perfect, not uh, on-court fit, but just personality fit. Let's see if he can destroy yet another fan base. So, its I mean, Houston— Well, our, do they exist? Yeah, I guess. That's a good point. It's a great point by me. Yeah, it really is. Clipper Daryl. You know what? Maybe that is that another reason why this is the perfect fit. James Harden There's goes to a fan base that is going to be exist. indifferent if, if he decides he wants out in uh, you know a couple of weeks before the deadline yeah. again. Also, we talk a lot about, and rightfully so, he should wear it, bad GM LeBron. Bad. Like, GM LeBron, not great. GM Kawhi Leonard. Yeah. 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 Trading away Shea Gilgis-Alexander on top of a kajillion other things for Paul George? Mm -hmm. Just that alone? And you don't think Kawhi Leonard signed off on this move to a certain extent? Of course course he did. Of course he did. So, just, you know, like, we all love Kawhi, rightfully so, but... He is up there with bad NBA GMs. Yeah, and and as much as you can laugh at the the Clippers' lack, what are lack, they going to do? I mean, it's not like the Raptors have been in a better spot since yeah Kawhi spurned yeah, but, them. But if he would have resigned, they would have repeated. I, it, Entirely possible. It can is. Never, it, they could never take that one away from us. Raptors have one and a half chips. That <laughs> one and the one they actually won, and the one they would have won if Kawhi would have come back. It's true. Uh, Leafs host the uh, Los Angeles Kings tonight, starting a string of six of their next seven at home. The Kings uh, are high-powered offense. They have the highest scoring offense in the NHL, averaging almost four and a half goals per game. Goaltending's been an issue for him. As long as Phoenix Copley is in net, he's got a 788 save percentage. Oh, okay, seven. Wow. <laughs> I knew it was bad. Yeah, uh, Cam Talbot uh, has been much better than that. It's not that difficult to be better than that. But Joseph Wall is going to get the start as expected tonight. You know, Brent, he's, he's performed very well. He hasn't exactly faced the juggernauts of the NHL offensively. Now, the Lightning are the best offense that he's faced. He came in in relief of Ilya Samsonov in that game. But every other team that he's faced, so every start that he has made has been against a team with a below average goals per game. Like a bottom Mm -hmm. 16 uh, goals per game average. This will be... An interesting test for for Joseph Wall if he's going to further cement himself as the number one for the Leafs going forward. Yeah, I think a lot of people don't necessarily think of the Kings that way. I mean, I'll be honest. I immediately go to the Matthews-Deneau mashup is the thing I'm maybe excited means I might enjoy it. Uh, You know, most intrigued by tonight, maybe. But in terms of Wall, I think you're right. It's fair to point that out. but. You know, all low-scoring teams are not created the same, right? I mean, the game against the Predators, for example, feels very different than the game against the Stars. You know, like the Stars are a big, heavy Western Conference team that make deep runs all the time. And you're right, they don't put up a ton of offense, but you have to stay super engaged. They have a lot of offensive zone time. The site, Like, there are things that are asked of the goalie outside of just stopping shots i know that's a weird thing to say but for a team like the stars that doesn't necessarily pepper you they do have a lot of offensive zone time so it'll be an interesting challenge but i don't think it's necessarily that they've been hiding him by any means either it's just kind of been no. the way the schedule has worked itself out well yeah he wasn't the starter to start the season like it's not not his fault that yeah Ilya samsonov gets the start and two games to, to start the season uh and timothy lilligram Practicing fully. Oh God! I saw him on the ice yesterday, and the sigh of relief. Just sounded like a little cramping or something. Sure, okay. whatever. Hey, whatever it was. Matty's better now. Yeah, Jake McCabe is not going to play no. in tonight's game. He hasn't practiced yet, but like could return to practice middle of the week. This week could could be back by the weekend, maybe. So That'd be nice. The idea that yeah, the the Leafs might have to to run with uh, a, a forward short mm-hmm. um, because of cap issues and the lack of depth on the blue line and the fact that nobody's going on LTI it looks like they they dodged a Bit of a bullet there, Mark Giordano. Though for the short term, is going to get an increase in minutes, which he's super excited about. I, I was going to say, I think it was Luke who who had the piece about it in terms of Gio and just how excited he is. He sounds like a kid on Christmas Day. I also like the way we talk about Gio, and we all do it rightfully so. Like he is a forty-year-old GMC pickup truck. It's like yeah. you just gotta you gotta get the heater going. Yeah. You gotta give it time, but once she's once she's running, there's no slowing her down. She goes like a gazelle. Like I. I think the thing I was thinking about with Giordano and the way they're going to lean on him here, and Luke referenced these names in the piece, and the one that sticks out to me is Spezza, is how often in his you know relatively short tenure here did they have to break glass in case of emergency, and it was Jason Spezza coming out and scoring the only big goal they needed, or fighting Boone Jenner in the bubble to try to wake the boys up, or going after Neil Pionk when he went after Marner. Like, there were, that guy did so many things when called upon, but eventually, eventually, you called upon him. He just couldn't do it. Now, it didn't look as dire as it's looked at times for Giordano with Spezza, but that's the thing that's wor- worrisome about this is I think there are going to be games in this stretch, however long it is, where you say, wow, 40-year-old Mark Giordano, look at what he is capable of doing for this hockey team. But it's just going to affect the version of him you're going to get in January or April, and maybe there's moves at the deadline and you don't need them then, but the... The wear and tear of this is something I think y'all have to be very mindful of. Yeah, no, I, I understand what you're saying. And in in a in a respect, I agree with you. But I think the, the Leafs saw... I mean, the proof was in the pudding during the postseason last year that the, relying on Mark Giordano in the postseason is probably a fool's errand. You don't want to be doing that. And yeah, I know that there's a, a lot of overhauling that this blue line is probably going to need before the trade deadline. I think prime among it is getting... To a point where Mark Giordano is, if not your seventh defenseman, like a guy that's playing sparingly, few minutes in the postseason. So the idea that you would have to like lean on a little bit more before the trade deadline, I I actually am not that concerned about it because, and it, I mean maybe this blows up in the Leafs' face and they're unable to 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 create a, a more passable blue line as they head towards the postseason. But the goal has to be pushing Mark Giordano almost all the way out of the the top six when it comes to the depth chart. Yeah, I think think every team, we talk about this all the time. If you're a true cup contender, if you think you're going to make a run, you need eight nine defensemen he's one of them for sure mm-hmm. but he's not six yeah. and if you feel better if he's probably not seventh right there and that's not to say he wouldn't be the first guy in in case of an injury but you would just want to have some other options available to you and the other thing i think is important to note note as well is that you know we've seen this in the past that different guys are better stylistic fits for certain teams you know if the least have a matchup with the devils I don't care who the other defensemen are. I, I think maybe just go with 5D instead of putting Giordano out there if it's the Devils, quite honestly. But, and this team doesn't look like they're going to make the playoffs right now, but if it's the Penguins, a slower, grindier mm. team mm. where it is kind of veteran know-how and guile. And again, it looks like they're not going to make the playoffs. so We don't need to worry about that. But there's a world where maybe he makes sense. Again, not as one of your top six, but as one of those guys if there's an injury or something along those lines. So that's, that's the way I look at it. And the other part of this as well, we keep talking about the team's going to improve the blue line. I think we all agree they're going to look at ways to do that, and they should. We know the cap doesn't go up until next year, right? right? There's not just going to be... Like, we keep talking about this as though... Brad Treliving's just going to go plow the cat fields and, hey, yeah. look at this. I got five million bucks. <laughs> and I know these things do find a way of working themselves out. And as the season goes on, it's less of a hit and double retention. There are ways to do this. But we all talk about this like he's just going to, oh, yeah, he just has his druthers to go build the blue line. And he's going to have eight bucks to yeah. do it. So that's not, hey, they found a way to turn Jake McCabe into a $2 million defenseman. It's trades like that that are going to happen, but that's the other part of it when we talk about this team completely revamping or reshaping the blue line. In in what way? With what money? Well, and yeah, and it's not like there's a, a superfluous forward other than Ryan Reeves, I guess. Like- yeah. <laughs> You can bury him. <laughs> okay. Would be quite a move Yeah. like yeah, months after signing him mm-hmm. to a three year deal. Oh, uh, the thing that sucks for Reeves too is that he this should have been a I won't I won't go out of my way to say a big week for him. And not that it can't be, but you know, the Kings, they're a a heavier team. But more importantly, Boston to or not tomorrow, but Thursday. Mm-hmm that he had his fight on the card scheduled. Like him and Luchich were certainly going to yeah, fight for, for heavyweight title in the division, and now Luch is out for however long, so he's not going to have wow. that. And when you're Ryan Reeves, like he has to find ways in other games, but that's kind of part of it. It's like, hey, you think if I'm sitting here going, man, I can't wait to watch Reeves and Luch throw down, what do you think his teammates think mm-hmm. about that? They're excited for that stuff too. And it's like, that's not to say that, you know, he had, well, I was about to say, it's not say he has no value. I don't know what the value is if he's not able to do that stuff, so maybe he Yeah, does. that's the bad. We don't get to see him against Milan Lucic. Um, the Bruins are probably going to be without Charlie McAvoy for that game, I'm uh, thinking. Yeah. <laughs> he lays the shoulder to the head of Oliver Ekman Larson yesterday, gets five in a match penalty, mm-hmm. and... That is suspension worthy if I've ever seen it. Yeah, I'm I'm the lead, or I'm the most caveman about these things, and even I go, oh, that, that one's bad. So you might have to sit down for a couple there. Yeah. If uh, Michael Bunting got three games for something that was I don't know at least as egregious, and that was in the playoffs, so it's technically six games. You do the math. Yeah. No, Sorry, it's it, not going to be six games. I I think it's probably like four. But yeah. Yeah. yeah so not so again, Michael Bunting just punished more harshly because he's him. Correct. Uh, when we come back, a uh, Major League Baseball umpiring in the news yesterday as the Rangers take a 2-1 series lead in the World Series over the Arizona Diamondbacks um, because the Diamondbacks were robbed of an opportunity. Sort of. They they were robbed. Well, we'll discuss that. We'll get it into next. it. And, and uh, Josh McDonald's uh, pre-fired and uh, <laughs> continues to lose football games uh, to a Lions team that, yeah, okay. Got some impressive work from its running back yesterday. That and more next as the Fan Morning Show continues. Ben is Brent Gunning, Sportsnet 590, The Fan. Fresh views on everything in the National Football League. It's The Fan Checkdown with Matt Marchese and Donovan Bennett. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Morning Joe Sports at five nine of the fan. band is Brent Gunning. So early returns. If it's a low scoring game, that is advantageous to the Texas Rangers. If it's high scoring, is oh. the the D-backs have the advantage? Uh, a couple of significant injuries for the Texas Rangers in yesterday's three one win over the Diamondbacks to take a two one series lead in the World Series. Max Scherzer departing after thirty six pitches. Which May I is... counter the Scherzer one? Okay. Does it really affect anything? Like, I know it affected them having to get Gray in the game, and it affected that game. But John Gray was amazing. uh, Right, exactly. But, like, they weren't going to pitch him again. I guess if it got to seven, he would have been available. Yeah, I mean yeah. he was lined up to be the game 7 starter. Yeah. So yeah, I yeah. guess kind of significant when you're talking about a guy who's also pitched in a game 7 of a you. World Series it's not going prior, seven. I'll tell you prior. That right now. Uh, not going mean, to go mad dog, but it's not going to go seven. Uh Rangers are unbeaten on the road in the World Series. So yeah, if that continues, you're right. They'll 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 be up 3 games to 1 and then, you know, just needing one victory at home in the in the final two to uh to pick up the uh, world series actually i mean if they just continue to run the this the um road record to perfect they'll they'll seal this in five games i'm not exactly out on a limb saying it won't go seven like it's not like it's un it's not like it's unthinkable that it'd go that far but just odds would stay it's the least likely outcome because i have you know other ones i can hit there it's kind of like a blackjack and math works well Here's, here's a knock against the Rangers. They lost yeah. the most potent offensive star. Yeah, that's a problem. Maybe in the history of the postseason, Adolis Garcia also leaves with what appeared to be an oblique injury, so that's bad. That's not ideal. That but guy that, he's money this, in the bank. The thing is, though, is your oblique shouldn't affect your ability to torque and turn on a fastball. Oh, yeah. wait, that's kind of all it is. No, we've we've seen this time and time again. This is like a month-long injury yep. over the course of a, a Major League Baseball regular season. We'll see if he's able to... to, to Figure out something. I mean, maybe make a oh, you know take a trip to Germany, a, get an injection somewhere. I was and, gonna say we're gonna get my favorite thing is guys playing possum now. Of late inning, he's up, he's stretching, he's doing like lumbering in the yeah. dugout here. I like that. Yeah, yeah. We'll see if that's the uh, po- even a possibility for him. Maybe that's that's too much. Corey Seager hit a, a first pitch home run, his one thousandth first pitch home run <laughs> of the postseason as well. But that's all well and good. The Rangers scored in one inning. And, yeah, Marcus Emion finally came up with a big hit in the postseason. He has really not been great for the Rangers um, in the postseason, despite being a real significant contributor throughout the course of the regular season. The story of this game for me, and I think you're of the same opinion here, comes in the bottom of the ninth inning in a 3-1 baseball game with Gabriel Moreno leading off the bottom of the ninth against Jose Leclerc, who's been... Up and down to say the least. The Rangers bullpen has been the bugaboo. Somehow, Araldis Chapman gets out of an eighth inning where he gives up a rocket, but an incredible play uh, and a double play turn behind him. Somehow, the Rangers have escaped without significant uh, destruction at the hands of Araldus uh, Chapman. But Leclerc starting the bottom of the ninth, their closer, ball one, second pitch of the at bat appears to catch the corner of the strike zone. It's called ball two, ball three, way out of the zone. It's 3-0. Get back in the count, 3-1. The 3-1 pitch mm-hmm. is about as outside as you can get. Like, it's it's a slider that starts outside of the zone and breaks about six inches outside of the zone. Yep. Gabriel Moreno, understandably, is halfway down the line to first base mm-hmm. before he is summoned back to the batter's box Because that's called strike two. It's it's a full count. He has to take a timeout to collect himself. Understandably, next pitch, grounds out. And that is it. Because the the Diamondbacks do not bring a tying run to the plate. Because they do not get a base runner. And the Rangers enjoy a 2-1 series victory. I mean, they don't win the baseball game if Gabriel Moreno takes a walk to lead off the inning. But... Everything changes. For sure. The pressure ramps up oh, all of it. Yeah. The entire tenor of the baseball game it's hinges another, it's on another log on the Moreno legend legacy fire. It's 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 all changing in that one moment. But I it's true that if every pitch is being called correctly, the count in that moment should have been three-two. Brandon McCarthy, former major league pitcher, mm-hmm. tweeted this out. You see that all year. Ump makes up for a missed call, looks bad, but it at least evens things out. I posed on my ex account. Don't call it that. I don't. I mean, that's what it's called. But don't. Just don't. I I, I posed this. Do you like the idea of the makeup call? Yes, all fair in the end. No, don't make it worse. And perhaps in the immediacy of the moment, almost 80% of respondents said, no, don't make it worse. Where do you stand on the makeup call? I think in that one instance, obviously, like obviously he should just call the balls and strikes correctly. I think obviously we'd all agree with that. But in this instance, the fact that it is taking place within the same entity at bat, you know, ob- this will shock you where my mind goes to make up calls in hockey all the mm-hmm. time. And what I hate is when something happens two periods later because you missed a trip in the first and you're going to eh, better even things up here. I hate it when the makeup call seems completely disconnected from everything in this instance, I don't have an issue with the makeup call. Now, the thing I have an issue with of this is clearly he, it looked to me. Now, makeup call, definitely part of it. It also was clear as day of, mm mm don't you show me up. I didn't – did I say ball four? Mm. What are you doing taking your – that's what – I it, don't think you're felt, doing that in the moment. It like felt – uh, mm. to me, that – You can't, you're telling me that's no part of it. 0%. 0%. To me, that was the first thing I thought of. That's what it looked like to me. Of Oh, hold on. Oh, oh, 22-year-old kid who just showed up here. No, 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 no. Come back to the box. I, to say that that's not any element to me. I mean, you can tell me I'm wrong. I don't think I am. To me, I think that at least had to play a little part of it. That's the thing I'm most irked by of all this. The way it played out. The makeup call, zero issue with, quite frankly. That was the part I didn't like, and even if it's even if it's just the optics of it, I didn't like how it looked because to me, my in my mind's eye, it looked like that. It made me think about that, and I can't imagine I'm not alone on an island. Yeah, there. no, I mean, usually if it's a close call, you will see a a batter take his time, like he, he won't head down the first baseline for fear of showing especially a catcher right who has to deal directly all the time with these these umpires the personal relationships they have with them like it's important um their livelihood depends on it but that was so not even it was egregious. Close. It was egregious. No, I mean, who could blame Gabriel Moreno for well, thinking he's done I don't the have thing? The name, whoever it is behind home plate, clearly, <laughs> your one job in a two-run baseball game in the bottom of the ninth is not to hit a home run. It's to get on base yep. to allow the tying run to get to the plate. So, I mean, maybe that factored in. I, I, I it didn't enter my mind because I mean, man, the focus is so on. I mean, this is all that we got as baseball fans. Is this one game? It's yep. Game Three of the World Series in a tie series yeah. in the bottom of the ninth. I don't think you're taking any personal animus okay. in, into your decision making. You, you don't think a ref or an official has never made it above himself in a big moment before? Sure, <laughs> they have. I mean, that's that's as egregious as it gets. But to, yeah, to the to the to the makeup call of it all. I mean, what you end up getting into is yeah. I I think you make it worse because not every just because, yes, in theory, it's a 3-2 count, and all things being equal, it should be a 3-2 count. It's not equal. It's and, and you live in a in a different space-time continuum <laughs> once the first call yep. has been made. The first call was borderline, right? Like it was, it was you could understand how that could be called a ball. The second one, it's not on the same planet. It's I, not as as far as the proximity to the, to the plate. Those two calls, calling one a ball and one a strike is not the same by any stretch of the imagination. I'm not going to say they're the exact same, but I think they're in the same ballpark of wrongness. Like, again, I've got the K box in front of me and the strike that, or what should have been a strike, the second pitch of the at-bat that was called a ball is a more, in my mind's eye, maybe we're clearly about millimeters here, but is a... More clear strike than the called strike on the fourth pitch at the very top of the zone. So to sit here and say the the closest, the most played a guy caught was not as egregious. Like it is there in my mind's eye, egregious. It is in the same ballpark of egregiousness. I suppose yeah. you could say the fifth one that w- it is more outside than the other one is inside. But in my like, they're very similar levels of wrong calls to me. I mean, you, there's a simple way to fix this. Yeah, but I hate it. What, you hate the automated ball strike? Uh, Okay, this is one of those things where I need, and I understand this isn't how the world works. We talk about everything and we debate it ad nauseum. I just need them to do it. Don't tell me and have an ump back there and just have them going, Hmm. and doing that, and don't don't tell me. And I would just go, man... Where'd they Mm, find all these umps? These guys are good. He's on it. They never miss a, like, never once have I seen them miss a call. That's what I need to have happen. Because my sensibilities of what that sport is, it's not the Hawkeye with the tennis and everyone's going, Mm -hmm. well, it goes down and you go, oh, is it going to catch the shadow of the line? That's not, that is not what I want in baseball. So it is the correct thing to do, but I just hate the, I hate I don't know what it stands for. is way too strong of a term, but it's just something about it. I do not like the feel of it. I hate it. Did you like the feel of uh, a clock in baseball? It was the one sport yeah, with, without I, I a clock. Could not, I, I was like, clock, 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 please, more, more. Speed it up, like I wanted a pitch clock badly, but that and that didn't offend no, your sensibilities. No, it didn't. You we, were you were not curious about how I was that curious would look? about how it would look in the postseason. I that was the one thing I I was ready to be wrong about was that okay the clock is amazing for the regular season and maybe in the postseason we lose some of it. Correct me if I'm wrong. Feel like we haven't lost any. No, of it, we haven't so. lost any of it. Yeah, to so. me, the 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 challenge system that will be in place not next season, um, but it it looks like the season beyond next. This is a perfect system because it's not its not intrusive. You have to use it strategically. There is still the human element if you're into that. But, yeah, in a crucial moment, like ball four leading off the bottom of the ninth in a two-run World Series yeah. game, you challenge it. Everybody's happy. I mean, frankly, the umpire should be ecstatic that you're not the topic of conversation today after an egregious call. I, I, I honestly— we're getting close to perfect not... if 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 we if we bring in the automat the 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 challenge system ball strike to go along with the the pitch clock. Hey, we're getting close to a perfect baseball game. I'm not even telling you you're wrong. I'm just telling you, you know, we joked about this the other day. Those are my believe I just I believe them. It is what I close my eyes at baseball. There's supposed to be a guy who is a borderline senior citizen back there trying to trying to gauge balls and strikes with his eyes. And it makes no sense in the world 2023. It made no sense in 1985. Right. But it's the way I want it to be. So you're not wrong. Yes. I'm just telling you, these are my believies. It's what I believe in. But if I change my mind or I get new evidence or yeah. I just want to do something else and I do that instead. There, there's building evidence that Josh McDaniels is not a good NFL head coach. Like I, I, I think we, 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 from, we may have our... from a decade ago. Oh no, this go around. Yeah. Yeah. This was bad too. <laughs> we, 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 we may have, uh, we have we may have enough evidence that like, you know, the man without a winning record in you think. all of his maybe head coaching seasons now year, uh, four, um, and yeah, he had that one eight and eight season with the Broncos that finished poorly, but now twenty and thirty-three after a loss yesterday to the Detroit Lions. Imagine thinking you were responsible for Tom Brady. Like imagine having that belief. And other people around the NFL buying into the cult of Josh McDaniels. Yeah. I mean, how wrong could they be? That that guy is never gonna be another is never gonna get another shot to be an NFL head coach when he is dismissed either in the middle of the season or at the conclusion of the season. Um, I think it was Kevin Clark who called him pre-fired. Like, that that is the perfect, perfect term for what Josh McDaniels is. Yeah, we can talk about the Lions as well, and Jameer Gibbs with his breakout game. That's, uh, yeah, that's a Lions team that's going to moonwalk to the NFC North title Mm -hmm. with with no Kirk Cousins there. Yeah, and and they're an interesting story going into the NFC postseason. But, yeah, that Raiders team with Josh McDaniels is just, it cracks me up. Yeah, it's not good. Uh, You know what I keep thinking of with this is Nate Hackett. You say he's never going to, like, McDaniel's never going to get another job again. Nate Hackett might, and it's going to be the exact same thing. If Nate Hackett can get one head coaching job off the back of Aaron Rodgers and one Super Bowl, it's not all that surprising that Josh McDaniels will be able to hoodwink people into this a second time around. I'm with you. The idea that anyone would take credit for Brady is ridiculous outside of Brady at this point. The other part of this as well is that I don't know how much more evidence people need before they need to stop going to the rotten coaching tree that is the Belichick coaching tree. Every single person coming out of there. Abject failure, disaster. Look at McDaniels. Look at Bill O'Brien, Romeo Cronell, Charlie Weiss. Like we can keep going down the list. And when we have the Reed Belichick debate in 30 years, when you're like, Oh, who actually had the better run? That's going to be the thing I think that tips people in Reed's favor. Is the, the, I think, the championships, all that stuff going to be somewhat close, but I think that the fact that Reed has this, like, football life that he's built up and that all of these people are part of his coaching tree, you see it with Peterson and other guys like that, that's going to be the interesting thing to see it all kind of yeah. play out from there. And way more affable, too, Well, right? I mean, obviously. Yeah. He loves cheeseburgers, yeah. not being on to Cincinnati. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, we'll see if Belichick, yeah, does change... The, the way he interacts with the media going forward when, it, when it's, it's clear that, like, another Super happen. Bowl probably not in the cards it's not for gonna him. happen. He can't. He, he can do the thing where media guys tell you, oh, he's so great. I asked him mm-hmm. about the D-tackle on the Giants in 82, and he went nuts about it. But you're never going to have the, like, oh, look at this great clip from Bill Belichick on NFL Countdown or whatever mm-hmm. it is. It just doesn't seem like uh, that's his thing. When we come back, uh, Leafs and Los Angeles Kings. The Leafs return home after that pretty successful five-game road trip. Uh, Joseph Wall getting the start tonight. When's the next opportunity for Ilya Samsonoff and uh, Drew Doughty back in town again? Boy, sliding doors moment a couple of years ago. if only If only Kyle Dubas had really pushed all the chips to the middle of the table for... Uh, for Doughty before he signed his most recent contract extension with the Kings. That and more next as the Fan Morning Show continues. Ben Ennis, Brent Gunning, Sportsnet 590, The Fan.